Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have Tadas Labudis, co-founder and CEO of Prodsite. In this episode, we talked about how multiple channels and siloed feedback can be a company's biggest customer feedback analysis challenge, and how good data hygiene is the foundation of data collaboration across teams. We also dove into why you should rethink your churn exit survey and what you can do instead. And lastly, we discussed the different ways you can analyze churn against support tickets and feature requests. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael. And here's today's episode. Hey, Tadas, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew. Happy to be here. It's great to have you. For the listeners, uh, Tadas is the CEO and founder of Prodsite, a customer feedback intelligence platform, which helps companies deeply understand customer feedback across all channels. Tadas previously held roles as a product manager at Yavi and Kodikan and was the co-founder of Eventhread. So my first question for you, Tadas, is what is the biggest mistake in companies make when it comes to their customer feedback? Besides the obvious answer of not paying attention to it. <laughs> yeah, once you pass that stage, I think the next challenge uh, that a lot of companies face is a siloed feedback analysis. So you might have different teams looking at different sources. You might have uh, different people having preference towards certain types of research methods. For example, in a UX team, you might see uh, people enjoying doing more in-depth interviews. They might do five or 10 uh, and then try and draw insights from that. And you, you can draw insights from that, but that's not the, the goal in itself. On the other hand, you might have a support team that's processing 20,000 tickets. So if you compare the volume of the data you're having here and signals you could be tracking versus here, and then let alone looking at your reviews start coming in or like people shouting you at Twitter or surveys that other teams are running. We see like different teams having preferences, looking at different things, but not necessarily always developing that holistic picture of what's actually going on with the customers. Yep. That makes sense. I think obviously, like you said, it's different practices and different purposes when it comes to the type of feedback that you're looking into and trying to understand. How do you see teams working well together then across, the, like when you've seen companies do this well, what are they doing to ensure that they're getting a good broad picture when it comes to their customer research and balancing their customer feedback inputs? Yeah, so the first foundation of collaboration with data is having good data hygiene. So that means recognizing the data sources that you have available, where are customers reaching out. In some cases, consolidating. If you have 
three different channels for customers to reach out, maybe you could use one or use an omni-channel solution that kind of brings that together. So once you have that data in place and depending on the size of the organization, the maturity, you might be talking about uh, something as simple as a spreadsheet. If you're early on, maybe you can manage it there all the way to having a complex data lake with a BI system on top of it. But just recognizing the sources and having that accessible to people and ideally in one place or as few places as possible. And, and then the next step is having systems and processes for regularly reviewing and analyzing that data. So it's not to say that you need to analyze each interaction or each piece of feedback, but having an understanding of, of the idea of sampling. So if you're sampling feedback, it's a good idea to sample it across the range of sources because each source could have its own slant. For example, if you look at support data, that's going to be very much driven about what's wrong with the product or what's wrong with user education. That's not going to tell you much about prospective users because they haven't gotten to the point where they can raise a support ticket. If you look at a, at a survey that you're running with a specific set of questions, that's going to have answers to those questions, but might not re reveal much about what current customers are, are struggling with. So if you have these different collection points across the user journey, by combining them, in, or, or at least sampling each of those at the same time and then revealing your insights will allow you to have that holistic view. So that, that mature companies or companies that really care about feedback and doing well, they have these components in place. But of course, there's much more to it. Yeah. So there's a lot to unpack here as well before before we do that, though. Maybe you just want to give us a little bit more of a clear overview of product sites, like what it is that you do exactly and how are you helping customers? Because I think a lot of uh, what we're going to chat about is going to revolve around this today. Yeah, that's a great question. For me, ProtSide comes from my, my own role as a product manager is working on a mobile product. And I was in charge of managing that feedback. We didn't have the luxury of having researchers and, and we just had to make sense of that data ourselves. I kind of started building processes internally, starting with a spreadsheet, then Airtable came along and trying to be sophisticated with zaps and things like that. But at the end of the day, as that one starts growing, all those processes started breaking down. I connected my passion for entrepreneurship. I launched a small startup at the university. It wasn't a big success or anything like that. Uh, that's why I went into the product management to learn from other people and grow. But I always had in the back of my mind, like if I find an idea I'm passionate about, I'm going to like come back to that and launch something again. Yeah. And that just collided into this opportunity. And I decided to build a system that allows people to understand their customers, but at scale and data volumes grow. And in terms of what ProtSite does, you think of that in three steps versus getting that data in the same place. So we build bridges with a lot of different systems like Intercom, Zendesk, Trustpilot, App Store, and so on. We bring that together uh, into one data set. And then you run a range of different types of analysis on top of that data set in consistent ways. We do sentiment analysis, level of emotion, what are people angry about or happy about? What's the the intent that they have and they're reaching out? Are they talking to you to, to compliment you about something? Are they contacting you to say that they want to churn or they request the features or report a product issue? We can detect those kinds of things based on an algorithm that we developed based on customer data. And then the third piece is what exactly are people talking about? Are they mentioning different features that you have in your products, asking questions about billing, pricing, and so on. So understanding all those components and putting into a real-time dashboard allows us to give a real-time view of 
what's happening to customers, what matters to them, what's creating friction in their experience and allowing you to slice and dice that data in a way that allows you to, to make changes. Very cool. Just giving like teams the ability to centralize all their user feedback from the multiple different channels that it's coming through, whether it be like direct feedback forms that you're looking for, or in the form of like support tickets or feedback on review sites, that's my understanding. And then on top of that, essentially you're classifying, running different algorithms to be able to give quality, almost so you're quantifying qualitative uh, feedback uh, and then giving uh, in, like your users the ability to make informed decisions based on a broad set of uh, feedback coming in from multiple channels it's very cool the the thing i want to do touch on a little bit as well as you mentioned it's in the beginning i think is making sure that you have a clean data set and bringing information in cleanly and i think this is one thing i've always found like to be super effective when it comes to things like surveys or it comes to any sort of trying to quantify any sort of qualitative feedback is having a really solid understanding of the segmentation that you're going to be wanting to do from the beginning, which really helps you enable you then in the long term to be able to break that data down and see. And an example being in a survey, you might ask a few questions to begin with around like demographic or firmographic data. So what is your role? What is um, the, your company and so forth? Having that standardized across all your different channels really helps you then be able to break it down and look at, okay, show me all the feedback from product managers or anything like this. Is this something that your product helps companies do? Is this something that you work on with them in terms of setting best practices within the organization? Like how have you seen companies handle this really well where they have a really good system that scales and enables them to segment their feedback effectively? Yeah, so I think when you are looking at feedback that's solicited, it's just the feedback you requested in a form or survey, absolutely, that's the perfect practice to have that qualification at the top so you can relate the answers to a certain segments of your users. However, the majority of the feedback that we help our clients analyze tends to be unsolicited. It might be a support ticket that's raised. It could be about anything and doesn't have pre-qualified questions. It's more of a conversation thread where the agent and the user is interacting. Or it might be online reviews where someone is just a volunteer to go on and, and, and give their feedback. And some systems do have questions that kind of structure that, you know, what's uh, the value received from this product, what could be improved. But sometimes the reviews are just a single block of text like on Trustpilot and there's not much context there. What we do with those data sources where possible is try and add structured data that relates to the attributes of the people that raise that. So if someone raises a support ticket and they're a user who are based in a certain location, they might have a certain plan associated with them or certain MRR values or any attributes that might be relevant, we sync those into our system and then expose them for filtering. So you, you have access to the, the whole user base and what people are talking in general. But if you want to understand a specific segment, you can use those filters to kind of drill down and look at what is creating the most friction for your enterprise customers, for example. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because I think not like I'm a very big firm believer that not all feedback is equal. And it's really important for you to understand like who your ideal customer is that you're really trying to target and having them the ability to segment uh, feedback based of that to make sure that when you are looking at the quantified qualitative feedback that you're getting the right signals and it's not just you might be getting uh, 
way too many support tickets from the wrong type of customer. And then you're waiting feedback unevenly against them just because of the volume versus actually like the business impact. Like you say, having something like MRR attached to it really gives you an indication of uh, the fit for the customer or potentially even maybe total month subscribed, just having another fallback to really understand, okay, how can we weight this feedback to make sure that it is uh, going to be valuable for us to take into consideration. So let's dive in a little bit. You mentioned uh, churn surveys uh, and churn feedback being one of those components. And obviously due to the nature of the show, this is something I'd love to dive in today and see from your experience working with customers, like what is some of the the best practices that you're seeing uh, people employ to really understand their user feedback and to see how they're actioning that then to reduce churn and increase retention. So Maybe like we can start with a broad question. What are some of the interesting things you're seeing with your customers and how they're using your tool to reduce churn? Yeah, so one of the patterns I would like to address first is what I see a lot of companies do when you look at the intersection of churn analysis and some kind of feedback collection about churn and understanding why churn is happening. So I noticed that a lot of companies have these churn surveys or follow-up surveys where basically someone churns and then it's like, why are you churning? Please fill out this form and then we'll cancel your account. Yeah. And there's like different levels of hostage type situation at that point. Some are optional, some are mandatory. So I think there's nothing wrong with running those surveys. And of course, if you can capture that intent at that point in time, it's great. But what typically happens is at the point of cancellation, users are already out of the door. So they don't have that goodwill to give you high quality feedback. They might provide you with a quick answer. They might like type in some random characters. So you're not always going to get the best feedback because they're not incentivized to provide at that time. Another thing that we see is in some cases, the person canceling the account on the actual UI is possibly someone from finance rather than the end user. So they might not even know the exact reason why the company is canceling. So this is in a SaaS situation. You might not even be able to capture that feedback from that person. And in other cases, if it's a large organization, there's multiple users, people don't even know, maybe they haven't reconciled why exactly they're not adopting your solution anymore or why it's no longer needed. And they just know that they're not using it and they need to cancel it. And then you're not going to be able to capture anything. So it might feel like a success to maximize or optimize for having as many surveys filled out or being them as, as detailed as possible. But I think that's slightly flawed goal. And what we see some of our customers, of course, that's biased because we see what people do with our product and it informs us. It doesn't necessarily give us a holistic picture of the market. But before customers churn, there are tons of signs already. If you're asking me why I'm churning today, chances are I already left five support tickets reporting product bugs, uh, maybe requesting features a few times. Uh, maybe I even left a review, notes for improvement. So it's weird. Like It's almost like you ignored everything I set up to this point, and now you're asking why I'm churning. And I have, I'm almost angry. I don't want to give you any feedback because you're not listening. The companies that we work with, we see them recognizing that they have this data already. It's, it's sitting there. It might be you know, six months old or 12 months old by that time, but it's there. So if you string along the entire journey of a customer from the beginning uh, or even pre-sales all the way to the point they churned, and filter down on that segment of churn users, you can actually find those signs that could be churn indicators. So typically it's product deficiencies of product is not doing what's supposed to do or the quality of the product is not good enough. And that's going to be like a long tail list of things from things that are frequently mentioned to things that only a few users mentioned. So 
if you understand every bug report that every churn customer has raised in the last six months, you will have like a top five or top 10 list of things to fix. Other areas that we see are feature requests. So the product might be fine for what it does, but it's just not growing as fast as the end user needs it to grow. And maybe there's competitors that are further ahead. So that kind of creates friction as well. So if you understand those feature requests are coming up across your feedback, you can prioritize those things and, and, and understand which ones are strategic features that you need to start building. And the last theme or, or nature of, of churn indicators we see is about product adoption. So here is the features might be there, the product might be high quality, but I just don't know how to use it exactly. So it's a user education theme. If you understand, especially on the support side, all those different questions that people are asking at different parts of their user journey, then you can better address them upfront in the product or improve the usability of the product so those questions don't get asked. So it's, I guess to summarize that, it, what we see being uh, kind of a better process is going away from a small survey where you maybe capture some reasons in a term survey to, to looking at a, a much more holistic, bigger data set of data that the customers are leaving as they're interacting with your customer service or your product. Yeah, I really like uh, that point as well. And I think just going back to what you said in the very beginning is that at that point, you've already lost the customer. They're already not in a great mood, like the type of feedback that you're going to get. For me, those sorts of exit surveys are more quantified feedback that you're getting. It's just saying, okay, the general themes and reasons why we're seeing like, we're not going to expect somebody to fill out a, a form and give us the reason why they're leaving, but just to hit a checkbox and say bugs or price or just to understand the general themes. But I really love the point as well of you uh, making, being able to go back and look at their customer feedback history and seeing what's been submitted out there in terms of support or supports or feature requests, and then understanding from there, like what went wrong over the last six months, having that ability to actually look at like churn customers recently and look at their support tickets together. It's not something easily done typically with technical stacks that companies have, but doing it, I think can be very powerful. It also reminded me of actually something we discussed in a previous episode, and I still love this example. Something that David Dominan taught us at Hotjar and it came from his experience at Conversion Rate Experts was the, the concept of not all feedback is equal. I mentioning this earlier is that Taking the example of a website, typically like a big mistake companies make, and this is a similar analogy to the churn exit survey, is that typically what they do is they will ask the question, like, what could we do for to get you to convert today? So they're trying to preempt uh, some decision. And typically why this is very bad is you have normally three types of users. And I think they had a Star Wars analogy. I might screw this up because I'm not a big Star Wars fan myself, but they have three different types of users. And it was like Chewbacca's, Stormtrooper's, and there's a third uh, type. And essentially, like your groups of users fall into these three types always, these three buckets. So uh, the two buckets would be people that would just come to your site, would uh, just be browsing, totally lost, would just end up leaving and not doing anything anyway, because they were never going to be your customers to begin with. You have the stormtroopers that were always going to be your customers, no matter what. They were just going to come in, storm through, buy your product and get done. And then you have the Jedis. I think that was, it's the Jedis. And they would be the ones that weren't too sure, like they'd come to your site, they were checking out, is this for me? Isn't it for me? And then they'd figure out. And the problem asking for feedback too soon uh, is that you get mixed signals and you get feedback from these three different groups when you only really want to be getting from either the stormtroopers or the Jedis and probably the Jedis being the most valuable because they're the ones in between that if you figure out for them what you can turn um, them into a buyer is really important. 
So what they realized at Conversion Rate Expert, actually the better question to ask instead of what was like, what would make you buy today was after purchase, immediately after purchase, asking what nearly made you stop buying today. And that way they knew that they were only getting feedback from stormtroopers and from Jedis. And then they could understand as well from the Jedi's perspective, what were the things that they could be doing to improve their checkout process, their flow. And we discussed this on a previous episode why I mentioned, because I think it's really interesting in the concept of churn exit surveys that you mentioned, in the sense that we send out these surveys once people have churned. And like you said in the beginning, like they're just not in the mood to answer this. This information is probably not super useful. Like the methods you mentioned are like a hundred times, a thousand times better and will, will give you much more fruitful results. But asking a question to a customer who's just renewed saying what nearly stopped you from renewing today could almost be just as powerful as well. And you're more likely to get a response because obviously the customer has just renewed with you. They've just continued uh, their subscription. Typically, I think this will work better on annual subscriptions. Monthly might be a bit more of a risk, but I think the feedback you'd get from a survey like that would be much more powerful and knowing that you're actually getting from the right types of customers and then seeing which ones that had renewed, but maybe weren't 100% happy with doing it. They just needed to do it or they just didn't have the time to look for an alternate solution or whatever. And probably next time around, you would have lost them. So I, I love the the point that you made on that. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts, like uh, seeing feedback and, and this, like, how does that sound to you as well from your experience? Yeah, I think asking questions that, yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. You need to ask the question in a way that's going to give you the response you want. And sometimes we default to the types of questions that are leading, like this one about what would make you stop buying today. That's just rethinking. You wouldn't ask that normally. It takes some thinking. And when you ask that question, what would make you stop buying today or why you almost didn't buy today? It makes the user think about the steps they they would need to take or the barriers. Maybe they need to get approvals. Maybe they need to build a business case. Just thinks about steps they would need to do as opposed to coming up with some kind of feature idea for you to add that would make it like that that much sweeter. I think it's because as well as humans, we're not very good at predicting the future, but we're really good at retelling the past. Uh, so if we can like retell our past experiences, it's much easier for us to do that than to predict like what we would have wanted or what would have happened. So that's something I definitely learned to one of my first startups, like terrible mistake of asking leading questions and then just getting useless information back that at that time we thought was amazing. Oh, we've got this great product. People love it. Everybody we ask is super positive. But if you look back at the question we asked them, like it was a no-brainer that they were going to love the answer to the question we were asking. Interesting. Let's go back then as well to the idea of bringing together feedback and looking at recently churned customers and seeing things like support and seeing things like feature requests. How are you seeing companies doing this effective today? So instead of the notion of focusing on churn exit surveys, like we agree it's not the best place to look for insights from it, but how do you see some companies doing this really well in terms of analyzing churn based off of of either support requests or feature updates? I think there's there's a few ways of doing it and it, it kind of depends on what you can commit to internally and what kind of technology you want to purchase to help you along with that. It's like, bicycle versus a car, different technologies help you achieve similar goals. But when, you, when you just start fundamentally at analyzing your data. So I think it, first of all, it's recognizing you have data coming in. On one hand, you, you have surveys where you're like praying that you're going to get responses. On the other hand, you have a fire hose of data coming in already. So it makes sense to start looking at that at least 
and then seeing what are the remaining questions you still need to answer. But doing that logistically is, is quite difficult if you have large volumes. So analyzing 100 responses by hand in a spreadsheet, doable. Analyzing 10,000 tickets, not so much because of the time it's going to take. And then you're wondering, is it going to be worth, are the insights going to be that good? So on the support side, and that's the reason I mentioned support is because that's a data set that's historically been hardest to access for different teams. It's owned by the support team, the support department sometimes treated as a cost center. So it's not going to bring me good insights. But I think companies now are realizing that's a valuable source of data. And that's something where customers are volunteering a lot of time to submit feedback. So uh, what we see teams do is agree on a tagging taxonomy and say, okay, we have these 20 categories. Anytime a request with any of those categories comes up, let's tag it. And that's training the agents to understand that taxonomy, exposing that in the actual support system UI. And a lot of support systems support that kind of feature. And then at the end of the month or a week, you can look at the tallies of these things and say, okay, out of 10,000 support tickets, 1,000 were about bugs. The problem is if you send that to the product team, that's not specific enough. Okay, I know we have bugs. Last month, we also had 20% uh, of tickets about bugs. Yeah. It's like what exact bugs are causing issues? And then the problem you have is, okay, the support team could identify maybe five most common and add it to taxonomy, but that makes the agents think of it. They have to think about even more categories. And then what ends up happening is you have these catch-all categories that start aggregating stuff. So you might have five specific bugs and then bug other, and then people just kind of default to that if something doesn't fall into that category neatly. And, and then again, you're back to square one. There's been a tremendous amount of development in the space of natural language processing and understanding and there are machine learning models. There are different techniques like topic extraction. You can actually analyze text like you would analyze quantitative data by running scripts on, on that data. And, and that's what we've done. We've basically taken the advancements in the space, built some more proprietary stuff on top to, to fit this use case. And we just decided to analyze these data sets that are hard to access for teams. All of a sudden, with an automated system, go from broad categories to very specific categories because to an algorithm, it doesn't matter if it's 100 themes or 200 themes, you get more specific drill down insights. And another thing you can do is you can do it very consistently because a human doesn't need to intervene. And assuming you've done your training correctly, it can detect all those teams automatically in real time. And another thing we see is in one ticket or support interaction, you could have multiple different topics being mentioned. Maybe it starts out with a question about how do I do this? And then, oh, it'd be nice if you added this feature. And oh, by the way, the screen crashed for me. You might have three or four different things being mentioned that are distinct and interesting to different teams. But an agent would only apply one label because that's just one field to fill out. So you're losing like, three quarters of, of the insight from that one conversation. So there's a range of methods and there's tools out there. There's also manual methods. And I think what's important is actually recognizing that this data is valuable and starting to learn from it. And then how you do it, that's, that's just up to you. Yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, and obviously, like you said, there's different tools on the market. I think we'll obviously leave show notes uh, for the guests to 
check out ProdSite. But I, I think the one thing you mentioned, and I love it, it's actually something we chatted about recently with Mariah from Help Scout, is that this notion of like support being a cost center. But really, if you use your support effectively being the front line, they introduced the concept of like support-driven growth, where it's not just about supporting requests, but also like you have an interaction point with your customer and these things are pretty rare. So when you do have that point in time when a customer's actually chosen to interact with you is to maximize it. And one is then obviously like servicing and helping that request, but then having the ability to then go and say, okay, we see as well that you haven't adopted this feature or because you're doing this, you could do X or Y and is really trying to increase engagement and just switch the notion of support being a cost driver to more of it being a growth driver and how can you increase retention, which is a little bit different from this topic, but I like it. It was interesting you mentioned that. And I think it's definitely an interesting episode uh, for the listeners to, to listen to. Nice. So I see we're running up on time as well now. I want to save some time for a couple of questions. I'll ask every guest. Let's imagine a hypothetical scenario. You arrive at a new company, churn and retention is not doing great. The CEO comes to you and says, hey, Taras, like you really need to turn things around. Uh, you've got 90 days to, to make a dent. What do you do? Yeah, I think I'm going to sound like a, a repeating record, but I, I do think you need to find some way to understand what's going on with your customers. So, of course, get the stats on revenue metrics. Look at things like chart mogul or profitable, whatever you have. Understand like where the churn is. Like, is it out of bounds for a company of that size or that type? And then you need to d- dig into why people are churning. Whether there's some interview someone's done, some survey someone's run, or if you even just want to reach for some support tickets that maybe mention churn as a like a first point of call. You need to understand those issues and then recognize which drivers if are in your control and which are not. And the things that are not in your control, you can't change, but the things that are about the product, feature requests, user education, you can all change. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, this is just definitely the number one answer that comes back is like understanding your customers going uh, deep into that because that's really going to inform the strategy and decisions you make. Last question then. Let's The question that I ask as well the next is, What's one thing that you know today about churn and retention that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? I started my career, I didn't even know what churn was. I didn't know what were like the percentages or like how to calculate them. So I think maybe it shouldn't be a given that every like person in the space understands what it is. I think it's quite specific to SaaS and subscription businesses as well. When I was working mobile, we were talking about retention and there wasn't a point where customers churned. They were just like, did not come back to your product in the last 30 days and that's like a like a, a ghosting kind of effect. But I think maybe there should be more education about what churn is. And I think podcasts like this really bring it to light and allow people to understand it in deeper ways. What is good churn? What's bad churn? Like how to measure it? What are the pros and cons of those approaches and how to tackle it if it's not where you want it to be? Yeah, I feel like I just didn't know about the concept, but yeah. with the resources online now, I feel like I have There's that. There's so much out there. Very cool, man. Thanks so much for joining today. I really appreciate uh, your time. As I mentioned, like they'll obviously be in the show notes. Is there any final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Anything they should be aware of? Like keep up to speed with your work? Yeah, we do post some articles on the space. So if you're interested in customer feedback analysis, how to understand your customers, what companies do to collaborate better around data, definitely check out Prodside blog, prodside.com slash blog. And also another thing I like to recommend is just a book I read actually quite early in my career that I think was transformational. So probably the shortest book 
that was the most impactful on me. It's called The Mum's Test. I have read it before. The Mum's Test is essentially a book about what kind of questions you ask and how the questions you ask uh, have an undesired influence on or could lead your respondent to the avenues that are not giving help on Oxford. So this is a book by Rob Fitzpatrick called The Mum's Test. I definitely recommend it to everyone to understand how to do custom research yeah absolutely i think that's also it's the mom test is used in quite a lot of different accelerator programs as well as the go-to sort of methodology when it comes to gathering and collecting uh, feedback it's a great recommendation we'll add that in the show notes as well for everybody to check out but again thank you so much i wish you best of luck now going forward into 2021 thank you andrew it was a pleasure being here and thanks so much for your time cheers And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.